Hi, this is Pastor James Strickland, and you are listening to our sermon cast for Homeland Park Baptist Church. We're going to be looking at a visible faith this morning. And uh, again, I, I, have, I am normally a preacher that goes through books and just kind of systematically, but it just seems like since COVID hit, everything has been more, more topical. And uh, I don't know about you, but I've kind of noticed that there might be a lot of angry people out there today in the world. Have you seen that? I think there's some angry people. And I think there's some angry people in churches, too. And there might even be somebody watching this or in this building today that is secretly angry. But the truth of the matter is, is we all deal with anger and we all deal with... It just seems like the volume of hatred is blaring these days. And we want to be known for what sets us apart rather than what unifies us. And and again, it's just God is reminding me time after time after time... That the church has put us here for, or God has put us here as a church for a purpose. And that purpose is, is to live a difference among people. So what I hope that you'll see today is that, I don't know about you, but the more time I spend on social media, the more upset I get. Have y'all found that to be true? Or the more I watch the, the news, even if it's my favorite news channel, it just... Sometimes it gets you torqued up. Now, I'm not saying we need to stick our heads in the sand and, and not be cognizant of what's going on. But I do think too much of that has a bad impact on us. Because think about it. If all you're hearing is hate and division, no matter what side of the issues you're on, but if all you're hearing is hate and division, that starts to rub off on you. And then before you know it, you're upset and you're kicking the cat and you're Shooing the dog and biting off people's heads when they talk to you. And you, you just got to be careful about that. And the thing is, is that if we go out there and we act angry today, if we leave this place and we act angry when we go out, we will fit in with everybody. You know, I've seen how some of y'all drive. You drive angry. And if you ever ridden with me, you'll know I drive pretty angry. That's why I don't have any church bumper stickers on my car. No Christian bumper stickers? No, I, I really don't. I try to be nice. But the truth of the matter is, is that my point is, is that we need to act differently. In today's world, many Christians are like a person in a boat that's worried that their shoes are getting wet when they're headed for a waterfall. Here's the thing, is that, yes, we have some things that are making us inconvenient. We have some things that are not right. But, folks, our, our world is headed for a waterfall. And if you don't believe me, read the book of Revelation. This world is not supposed to work. It's going to get worse. So don't think that it will get better. The thing that is, is different is that the church has to get better. We need to be salt and light in a dark and, and dull place. And so... You see, nothing is getting done today because everyone wants to speak, but nobody wants to listen. Everybody wants to speak and let everybody know where they stand on whatever issue, but nobody wants to take time and listen. Gone are the days of conversations that are meant to build each other up. Gone are the, the conversations that where you talk to someone not to get your point across, but to understand where they're coming from. Gone are the days of respecting one another 
when you talk and respecting them enough to listen. Gone are the days of trying to steer the conversation to the cross of Jesus Christ rather than your favorite political talking point. I have a question. Have we truly lost the art of listening? I'm telling you what. If you are known as a listener, you will have a lot of friends because people like to talk about themselves. But if you like to talk about yourself, you may not have a whole lot of friends because they're tired of hearing it. So we have to learn how to listen. But today, have we lost the art of listening because parents complain, my kids won't listen to me. And the kids complain, my parents, they just won't listen to me. Employers complain that their employees won't listen to them. Employees say, well, the employers won't listen to us either. Spouses complain that their spouse won't listen to them. There was a man that went to the doctor, and he wanted to get a checkup because it was just his time. And so as he was finishing up the exam, the doctor said, okay, sir, you look great. Do you have any other questions? And the man Kind of thought about it for a moment. He said, well, Doc, I do have a question. He said, okay, sir, go ahead and tell me what your question is. He said, well, it's about my wife. My wife, she's getting, her hearing is going. He said, okay, well, I'll tell you what you do. Here's how you know how her hearing is. When you go home, stand behind her about 15 feet. Stand behind her and ask her a question. And if she hears you, you know her hearing is okay. He said, thanks, Doc, I'm going to try that. So he goes home and he can't wait. He's called, he's going to diagnose his wife and her hearing problem. So he walks into the door and man, it is a prime opportunity. She is got her back to him and she's uh, preparing dinner. And so she's working away. And so he's 15 feet away and he goes, Hey honey, what's for dinner? Nothing. Nothing. Okay. So he moves to where he's 10 feet behind her. And he says, honey, what's for dinner? Nothing. He's like, man, she is stone cold deaf. He gets five feet up to her. Honey, what's for dinner? Nothing. He's like, man, this is worse than I thought. So he gets right behind her. I mean, his mouth is like inches from his ear. He says, honey, what's for dinner? And she turned around and said, I said chicken for four times. You need to get your hair checked. And the truth of the matter is, is that sometimes we are talking and we think nobody is listening. But maybe we're the ones that are turning deaf. There are so many people that are giving out their messages today. But are people really listening to them? So the thing is, is that A visible faith listens. We're looking in James chapter 1, starting in verse 19. A visible faith listens. If you are a person of faith, if you claim Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, it would behoove you, it would benefit you, it would be great for you to work on becoming a listener. You say, but preach, you don't know how bad that person just grates my nerves. Well, I understand that. But here's the thing, the more you listen the more context you get. The more you listen, the more it seems like you care. 
I know in my life, the people that are clearest are clearly the, the most special to me are those persons have just listened to me. And sometimes when my babbling was incoherent, but just people that are there and listening, right? He says this in verse 19 of James 1. He says, understand this, my brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Boy, that sounds like good advice, doesn't it? Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. If that were the case, we'd have no news on TV. If that were the case, we wouldn't even have social media or newspapers. But here's the thing. Why is it so important for God's people to listen? Because if you do not value the viewpoints of others, they will not view or they will not respect your viewpoints. If you don't value the viewpoints of others, they will not value yours. Now, I want to be very clear on something here as I, as I go a little further in this, this message this morning, is that unequivocally, God's Word is the answer to all that we need, and that, that if we listen to somebody who is as lost as a ball in tall weeds, it does not mean that we agree with them. But I have done plenty of visits where we would walk up to somebody and they would start telling me their philosophy on what salvation is. And I'm telling you, I couldn't follow it. I mean, it was way out there. And I don't want to say, you are wrong on that count, my friend. So, I mean, you don't do that. You listen. Because if you listen to them, no matter how far-fetched it is, what do you think they're going to do when you talk? Listen. Listen, right? Listening shows interest. Listening shows respect and a willingness to learn. I have learned that sometimes when I'm watching TV and my wife is talking to me, sometimes I hear her, but I don't listen. How do I know that? Because you women are great at this. You'll give, me, you'll give your, your spouse a quiz. What'd I say? Then you're dead in water. And you better come up with something quick. And then most of the time, I'll get what she was saying and give it back to her, but it's not the same. Sometimes I have to stop the television or stop what I'm doing, focus eye to eye and say, okay, honey, tell me what you were trying to tell me. Many of us have done that, and it may not be a spouse, it may be, uh, it may be a friend, it may be an employer, it may be somebody, but the truth of the matter is, Don't you hate talking to somebody that you know they're not listening to you? If you want the last word, or you have to one-up everybody in a conversation, then you are not a listener. Let's see what God's Word says about making ourselves listen to what God has to say today. Because one of the greatest tools in evangelism that we can learn is to listen to those we want to talk about Jesus with. Now remember, I said it a moment ago, listening is not agreeing. I can't say that enough. Listening is not agreeing. Just because I hear somebody and talk to somebody and listen to somebody that explains to me why they are in a lifestyle that I do not agree with, and the Bible says this is wrong, does not mean that I have to shut them down and say, oh, talk to the hand. The Bible says it's wrong. I Sometimes we have to listen 
to those conversations because in those conversations, the Holy Spirit will give us words to say and, and kind of put their words back on them to where they have to think about things. I'm reminded of Jesus. Jesus, when he went to the well and a Samaritan woman came up to him and she shouldn't have been there that time of day because most of the women went during the morning. This is kind of near midday. And so she was there and Jesus was talking with her and he listened to her. Remember, do you remember the conversation? It was something like he asked the lady, give me a water, some water to drink. And the lady said, are you crazy? You're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. I'm a woman. I, I can't give you that. And started talking to her, and she said, well, you know, I can't. i got to get back to my husband. And then he kind of knew some things about her and, and said, look, yeah, I know you've got a husband. As a matter of fact, he's like your fifth husband. And, and she's like, how do you know all that? But he listened to her. He listened to her. And by the end of that visit, she got living water where she would never thirst. Her soul would never thirst again. You see, this type of teaching of listening to others is actually... Biblical, and even the Jews of the day would have heard about it from their own writings. Let me show you some verses, Trista, if you would go to the next slide there. Number one rule in evangelism, when you're talking about Jesus, when you start to argue, stop the conversation. When you're talking about Jesus, stop the conversation. When you're talking about your favorite political figure, And they start arguing. Stop the conversation. When you start talking about your opinion on everything in the world, stop the conversation when it gets bad. Because as soon as you start an argument, you have burned a bridge to ever share Jesus with that person again. And maybe burned a bridge for them to hear it from somebody else as well. When you start to argue, stop the conversation. I've been in plenty of conversations where you're talking to people about Jesus and I can just see the devil just working in them and sidetracking them. That's like, I remember one time we were on a visit. And man, this, this was a, a, one of those visits to where it, it's a long story I'll share with you later. But basically, I knew that there were spiritual forces at work against us in this visit. I mean, literal. I mean, evil. I, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I'm not, I'm not talking like what you see on TV. But there was evil spirits working in this visit. And I'll never forget, when we got to the altar call... They had these little yippy dogs, you know, little little sneeze dogs. And sure enough, and if you've got them, hey, great. I mean, everybody needs a dog, right? Someone says, I don't need a dog. Well, that, that's fine. But those of you that need a dog, this these little yippy dogs started going off, barking and snarling right when I got to the invitation part. And instead of being mad about it, I just said, look, okay, we can we can take this conversation. At another time, because I could tell things were getting tense. And then there are many times where you stop a conversation, it gives you a right to start it later. And here's the thing. If you don't argue with somebody, they're likely to come back to you and ask you again, what were we talking about? Or what did you mean about that? Proverbs fourteen twenty nine. I threw some references up there. You can look at them later. Proverbs fourteen twenty nine says, People with understanding control their anger. A hot temper shows great foolishness. Buddy, with my red hair, I have been a fool at times. Because I do have a short fuse, and some of you do too, and I'm not going to make any names. Proverbs fifteen eighteen says, A hot-tempered person starts fights. A cool-tempered person stops them. 
Proverbs 19.11 says, Sensible people control their temper. They earn respect by overlooking wrongs. Some of you, if you know that person or if you are that person that says, I don't mind telling somebody when they're wrong. I'll tell them my mind. That's okay. Go ahead and be that person. Just go think about your life. The last time that you said something or did something in anger, how did it work out for you? But if you're that person that says, I'm just going to let everybody know how I feel because I don't care what they think. Well, that's a problem because you're that person. It's foolish to do that. But we have to be approachable. Isn't it great the Scripture tells us to not go against our human nature? Our nature wants to lash out. Our nature wants to defend our position and make everyone agree with our viewpoints. It's almost like we need a mouth meter. Every word that we say is going to be judged. We're going to be held accountable for. I know that... When we use water, our meter runs on our house, right? Right now, if our, if our church is using water, the meter will accumulate and tell you how much water has been used. And at the end of the month, somebody's going to come around and read that meter and charge us for every bit of water that we have. But my friend, there is a mouth meter on your mouth that one day you will have to give an account for every word that you say or don't say. The truth is, God hears everything we say. He knows every thought we have and the intention behind every word that we speak. So, second thing we see is a visible faith controls anger. A visible faith controls anger. Verses 20 and 21, it says, Human anger, or a man's anger, some translations say, Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. Other translations say it does not produce the justice that God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives. My friend, if you live in a trash dump, you're going to talk like trash. Didn't your grandma teach you? Garbage in, garbage out. He says, and and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. If anybody comes to know to Christ at any time in my life for anything that I have said, it is not my words, but it is his. And the same thing goes for you, too. But here's the thing. Here's where we are today in the church, folks. Whether you be in this church or whether you be watching here, misguided anger leads to misguided Christians. There are people today that wear the label of Jesus Christ that are spewing hate into this world. And those two things do not coexist together. Folks, it's not a foreign concept to know that harsh words going unchecked will lead to anger. Anger is a God-given emotion. You know that, right? God has given us... Anger. And it's supposed to motivate us to serve God. And when we see people that are doing things opposed to what God is doing, we take offense to that and, and we go into action. Just like when Jesus cleared the temple, not once but twice in Scripture, because people had turned the temple into a Walmart, so to speak, of, of they turned God's house into a, a market. And he was angry about that. But here's the thing. If you're under the influence of anger, 
you are being separated in your relationship with God. If you are a Christian and you are harboring anger in your heart, it is grieving the Holy Spirit and putting a cavern, a distance between you and God. Evil and anger does not produce right living. It produces what we see today. And so I've never seen more angry people than I have today. And many of them claim to be Christians while they do it. But here's the thing. As this verse says, God desires righteousness or right living from his children. So ask God for help. How many of you as parents said to your kids, now don't you act up when we go to this restaurant. Don't you act up when we go to these people's houses because I want them to think that y'all are good kids. Why is that? You don't want the children to act up. Maybe your parents told you that. I know my parents told me that, okay? So I'm in that club. Little red-headed only child, you know. Yes, I was spoiled. Ask Donna, she'll tell you. But the truth of the matter is, is that you don't want your kids to act up because you don't want people to, to look at your family differently. So what happens when Christians that are supposed to love are filled with hate and people look at us and they see us in our church, they see us raising our hands, they hear us praising our songs, they hear and they see all of these things, but yet out of that same mouth comes so much hatred. It is foolish. And the thing is, is that just because you have the felt right to be angry doesn't mean you should be angry. Without the sacrifice of Jesus Christ of your sins, you would feel the full brunt of God's anger. All of us would without Jesus Christ. Jesus took God's anger towards sin for you and for me so that we could experience his grace and mercy. Also, we see that a visible faith is seen in your actions. Look at verses 22 through 24. It says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. That could be the sermon right there, folks. Don't just listen to God's word, but do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing your face in the mirror. You see yourself, you walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free... And if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. I guarantee you, if I were to say, shave this morning and and cut myself and do the thing that guys do where they take a piece of toilet paper and put on it and and just have it on the face. And if if I didn't have a wife that loved me and would tell me to take it off my face before I got here, and if I were to show up with toilet paper and cut marks on my face, some of you would just... You know, do I tell them or not? But some of you would be good friends and say, hey, take that off your face. But the thing is, is that if I were to look in the mirror and sit it on my face and not take it off, that would be ludicrous, right? And the thing is, is that when God's word shows us things in our lives that we must adjust and we don't do it, it's just as foolish. We need to do what God's word says because actions are louder than words. Because here's the thing, is that as James says, only one person is fooling themselves when they listen to God's word, but do not obey it. And that is themselves. Don't run from the things that God reveals to you. 
If God reveals something to you in a sermon, in a song, in a moment, in a quiet time, it's not for you to run from it. It's not for you to feel guilty about. It's for you to repent and to ask for forgiveness and to move on and to learn and use that experience to help somebody else. God's not into guilt trips, regardless of what you think about Him. God is all about redeeming you and making you better. But here's the thing. If we, if we know what we should do and we don't do it, it's going to stunt our growth. Matter of fact, James says to know what to do and not do it is sin. But here's what I want you to see. That disobedience will stunt your spiritual growth with every disobedient decision. Disobedience will stunt your spiritual growth with every disobedient decision. There are many people, maybe even somebody in here today, or they have a family member that has battled with something like alcohol or narcotics or some type of terrible, terrible addiction. That just didn't start full-blown. It started with one drink, one take, one moment. One bad decision led to another one. And to another one. And my friend, when God tells you to do something and you disobey that and do not do it, that is a bad decision that leads to another one. And you will not grow spiritually when you foster disobedience. Well, as we, as we round the corner here, a visible faith sounds genuine. In verses 25 and 26, it says, But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, And if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. If you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourselves and your religion is worthless. Isn't it amazing how everything that he he said now boils down to your tongue? Remember, he was, he was teaching Jews. He was teaching people that were, were spewing hate against Jesus and against those that followed him. I kind of remember, I'm sure somebody has taught you as I was taught as a kid. You ever heard this saying? And I'll try to say it the best way I can. Don't let your mouth write a check your backside can't cash. You ever heard that one? Well, let me give you another version of it. Don't let your mouth get you in trouble. Don't let your mouth say you can do something when you can't really do it. Because when that happens, I'm telling you, it's funny. It's funny. Maybe for me, it's actually it's sad. But I was, I, I was thinking of a situation where this guy was talking about how much he could do and how well he could do it. And he was put in that situation and he crumbled. And the thing is, is that I need to be careful that I don't do that. You need to be careful that you don't do that. We don't need to let our mouths get us in trouble. And some of you know that. Some of you... Know people, and it may even be yourself or someone in your family that have that disease. You remember what it is? It tastes like leather. It's called foot and mouth disease. Where sometimes you just, your mouth gets you in trouble. I'll never forget, and I've probably told you this before, but it's just so stinking funny. There was a kid in our college group in North Carolina that uh, he just graduated college and he was going to dental school. So he wanted to make his dental application Look really good, right? So he put on there that he was fluent in Spanish. What do you think happened? First thing out of their mouths during the interview was in Spanish, and he didn't know what they were asking him. And if you knew this kid, you'd laugh even harder. 
And somehow, not that school, but at a different school, he finally got into dental school. But I just, when I think about that, I think about the fact that, oh man, don't write down that you're fluent in something if you can't speak it. But it's not only what we speak, folks, but it's how we say it. We need to control our tongue. Just because we can say something doesn't mean we need to say it. And uh, last but not least, a visible faith makes a difference. A visible faith makes a difference. He says in verse 27, pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. Do you see the comparison? Just a few scriptures ago, James was saying, look, if all you can do is talk about your faith, your faith is, his words, not mine, worthless. But if you do have faith, it's going to be the kind of faith that has actions. For example, taking care of widows and orphans. Now, we have been blessed. We have a large population of widows here in Homeland Park Baptist Church. And they have got a ministry unto themselves. I'm thankful for them. And we should be taking care of them, but more often than not, they're taking care of us. But the truth of the matter is, is that back in that day, if someone was widowed, they didn't have a whole lot of options. If someone was orphaned, they didn't have a whole lot of options. They could beg on the street, or they could even do worse to make money. And Jesus is saying, look, when these kind of things are going on, we need to be a people of action. We don't need to be just talk. We need to be action. Because if we turn a blind eye to the morality around us and our love for others, we are sunk. I'll end with this verse here. Romans 12, 2. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you. It is good and pleasing and perfect. My friends, just because we live in a society that is filled with hate, today, this moment, is a day that we can turn around. You may not be able to turn around the world, but you can turn around yours. And once you turn your life around, it will have a trickle effect. Do not give in to the hate. I want you to remember that these kind of talks, especially when churches and Christians say this, should make us very uncomfortable. And we need to think more about how we can get our voice heard and listen a little more than we speak. Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for our time together this morning. And maybe there's somebody here that uh, either watching by video or uh, maybe even in this place this morning that uh, has been consumed with anger and they need to let it go today, Lord. They need to throw it upon your altar, Lord. They just need to throw it on your shoulders, Lord, and let you take it from them and deal with them and to forgive you and to forgive them of that, Lord. Maybe today is that day. Maybe someone wants to know you as their Savior and Lord. Or maybe somebody just wants to say, you know what? I'm so much more encouraged because I was getting down with all the hate going around. And I remembered that we need to listen and show love. If there is a decision someone would like to make today, I pray that they...
come to me or someone they trust, maybe their pastor, and just confess what the Lord's told them this morning and pray with them and to be a part of your family, Lord, and to lay whatever is burdening them at your altar this morning and to leave it there. For it's in your name we pray. Amen.